Friends, this is the fourth week of our series uh, of prayer. Specifically, this series is called Teach Us to Pray. And what we're doing is, you know, really digging deep into the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is that prayer that really indeed shapes all other prayers. It's, it's at the heart of uh, what Jesus is teaching the disciples and teaching them for their prayer life. Uh, in, during this series, um, as a team, we have just been really contending and praying that this series would revolutionise, um, thank you, that it would revolutionise our prayer life together as a church, uh, that we would actually desire and hunger for more of God in prayer, that we would find ourselves coming to prayer maybe more joyfully, um, more ably, and that we would actually see the power of that as we see it, not just in Jesus' life, but also as we see it in the life of his disciples. As a resource for us around prayer, we have been using from time to time a book, a great book by an author called Pete Gregg, and he heads up the 24-7 prayer movement, and the book is called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. It's been excellent, and we've each referred to it at different times in the series, and the book itself, we'd love you to read it if it was something that you wanted to go a bit further into, but also the resources from uh, Greg's Pete's book is also um, an online digital resource for people who like to actually watch the prayer course um, digitally. So with, um, with all that uh, in mind, how about we just come to the Lord in prayer as we begin the message. God, we just thank you, Lord. We're just thanking that you are indeed here present to us. We just ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts this morning, that you would enliven our spiritual senses to be able to um, discern what you're saying to us, that you would help our hearts to receive what you would like to do, what you, what you would like to bring to bear through these messages in our lives, Lord God. We ask that you would graciously come by your Holy Spirit, that we would be people who sit and yearn and hunger for more of what you want to do and say in our lives. God, we thank you for the word and the way that it helps us to do that, it instructs and teaches us. So God, would you now guide us through this time? Would you guide me and would my words be for your glory? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage we're going from, uh, it's actually the passage that we'll continue to use through the series. Essentially, our teaching part is from Matthew, the book of Matthew. It's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 6, verses uh, 9 to 13. And I'm going to read these verses. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, can I begin by telling you a little bit about my Friday? My Friday. Uh, you know, Fridays are ordinarily a day rest. Uh, they're that kind of Sabbath time um, for me. But at times, it is a day where I need to flesh out or refine a message for Sunday, for today. Uh, and, you know, I've usually done a bit of work around the sermon in the earlier parts of the week, and then Friday comes, and it's just a time to kind of refine. But you know what? This particular Friday that's just gone, I really, really struggled. 
um, it, why, um, why it was, I struggled to get clarity, why I struggled to come to this really important task that I love so much. Uh, I didn't really know. It didn't seem exactly obvious to me why. But I think that there were a few factors that were involved. It was school holidays. And I, ha I should have learnt by now after all these years that actually I'm not at my peaked optimal um, competency capacity during school holidays when all sorts of other things are going on in family life. And also we have a new puppy in the house so that's sort of taken a little bit of our energy and our time. But also I think really um, what, what, was, what I was aware of, what I was reflecting on was how I'd attended a special event on uh, Thursday evening. It was a gathering of other pastors and ministry leaders from across the Gold Coast. And we come together to hear the stories of five women who had experienced the pain and the abuse of family and domestic violence. It was a tremendous privilege to hear their stories, their honesty and their vulnerability. Sorry, it impacted on us all quite significantly. And, you know, sometimes uh, things come across your day or your week like that that are so important that on some levels they need to stay with you. But, friends, as the, kind of the, top, as the clock ticked away on Friday, I just became increasingly worried. Increasingly worried that tomorrow, being Saturday, was kind of again loaded in the diary with commitments and other things we need to do as a family, jobs, etc., and also like this little simmering fear that I wasn't going to be ready for Sunday. Then at around 4 p.m., 4 p.m. on Friday, uh, the light bulb moment came. Because that little word, today, that little word today in the middle of those six words from this particular verse, give us today our daily bread. That little word made that trip from my head to my heart. And so I just stopped. And I just prayed, Lord, would you give me exactly what I need today? Would you please give me what I need? The weight and the burdens of the yesterdays and the tasks and the anxieties of my tomorrows, I just lay them down at your feet. I lay them down at your feet. I will trust in your provision so that all of my needs are today are found in you. Amen. That was like my prayer, right? And I share this with you because I have actually come to realise quite personally that the triumphs or the tragedies or the tethers of yesterday and the fears and the, and the failures of our future actually that lie ahead prevent us prevent us from asking God for what we need today. Our verse is Matthew, 6, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. And maybe, like me, you do struggle to have a grasp on clearly what is today. But I think also we struggle to ask I think we struggle to ask because we often don't accept that we are dependent upon God. We aren't very good at admitting our inadequacies. We are self-reliant. We are self-made. We are autonomous, independent people. 
our cultural moment, the proverbial water we swim in, is telling us this. It's obsessed by moving toward the self-perfected life just available for us that can be achieved through all the tips and tweaks and hacks and all the secrets of success that we could possibly discover. We self-create and we can do it all ourselves. That is the rhetoric of our society. And actually that way of thinking, that way of thinking that is so kind of um, leaning into, drawing from self-help thinking, self-help techniques and the whole sense of the, the discovery of the human potential, that is shaping us, friends. That is shaping our modern understanding of self. Do you remember that TV series, uh, The Simpsons? That American animated sitcom. We were, Mike Blair and I, we were the worst. And only, can I say, and I own it, we were the worst and only parents in the world for not letting our kids watch it. But I might have to add that short clips of The Simpsons made fantastic sermon fodder in youth ministry. <laughs> I would choose them carefully. <laughs> um, but they often depicted in humorous ways um, our cultural values and humanity in, well, sadly, at its worst and ways that we could often recognise and relate to in, in ourselves, in our own lives. In one particular episode, Bart, uh, one of the central characters, little brat that he is, he's asked by his parents to say grace at the dinner table and Bart says this, God, we worked hard for putting all this food on the table by ourselves, so thanks for nothing. <laughs> Sometimes it was funny. But you know what? Not the kind of thing that you want actually like raising your children in terms of their viewing. But you know what? That kind of satire and crude humour, that kind of attitude you know, that The Simpsons was really known for, that is in such a distinct contrast from what we read in Scripture about, about the God who has created everything and the God for whom we are all entirely dependent upon. And two specific passages I've drawn out for us today. One is from the book of Job. Again, this is an Old Testament book. It's in... It's in um, it's found just before we get to the book of Psalms. And it speaks about God as the one who creates and sustains all things. And that this reality is proof of God's unselfish goodness, his kindness and his compassion on all. And it reads as this, Job chapter 34, verses 13 and 14. If it were his intention and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all humanity would perish together and mankind would return to the dust. The psalmist goes on to say this in Psalm 104. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. They are satisfied with good things. These verses declare that everything in creation depends upon God who provides Everything exists because of the good things that God gives. And you know what? There is something incredibly good about bread when you're hungry. 
Something again that uh, in the ancient story of God's people, the Israelites, in all of their triumphs and in all of their failures, in their wanderings and in their times of incredible understanding of who God is in their breakthrough moments, they knew the goodness of God's provision and they knew that kind of catch-all sense of what bread meant as it was the, the thing that sustained them and that, that sustenance came from the hand of God. And you, you might be familiar with the story of, of manna in the wilderness. Manna was the quintessential example of bread as a provision for God. And the Israelites, when they were wandering around in the wilderness, having uh, been delivered from the Egyptians, they would, they would gather up this manna. They would gather up just enough, just enough for each day. They were not to hoard it. Because they needed to learn to depend on God for the daily supply that he would provide. Looking into the New Testament where we read of the stories of Jesus himself and the letters that were written about him. uh, The Gospel of Luke describes a time when Jesus sent out uh, his disciples. Kind of like on their first mission trip. In Luke chapter 10 they're sent out in twos to go and proclaim the kingdom of God that is at hand and to cure diseases and and, uh, heal people and deliver people. But Jesus says to the disciples as they go that they are to go without bread. They're to go without their bag. They're to go without money in their belts because they, like Jesus, were learning to rely entirely on God's daily provision. Friends, God wants that of us. God wants us to rely on him. We've been designed to rely upon God. Hebrews 4, chapter 16 says this to us, Let us therefore, let us therefore, therefore being because we are designed to depend on God, let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness. Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Friends, we've, I've shared from time to time stories of when we lived in India as a family and were involved with ministry there. And it was a really special time for us and a formative place for our family to grow in who God was and that adventure of faith that we had together. And as you would probably be aware that there's only a relatively few privileged people who live in India who actually have enough food to consume and to be satisfied each day. I love this prayer, give us today our daily bread, because it uses words like us and our. This prayer, friends, is a family prayer. This is a prayer that when we pray this prayer, we are praying this for everybody. We are praying this for all of God's people. We are praying this for our brothers and sisters, who we know that over 50% live in abject poverty. We didn't have a lot of food in India and uh, some of it was amazing, uh, some of it wasn't great. And on one particular occasion we'd been doing ministry in a quite a remote and rural area and it was late in the day and we had quite a long way before we got home and you know what, we always underestimated the distances that we would walk from village to village, partly because we were traipsing around with three small children, but we were all really hungry. 
Um, we were travelling through a tiny village and we came across a family sitting on the ground over an open fire cooking something called bakri, which is like an unleavened bread, Indian bread made of rice flour, not wheat flour, but made of rice flour. And these people were just so extremely hospitable. In fact, that was our experience across the whole of, a whole of the subcontinent, was that people were just incredibly generous. And they really wanted us to sit and to uh, share that food with them. We were a little bit hesitant. Um, even our, our local Indian um, our friends in ministry together, our team, you know, there was a bit of hesitancy. I guess for me and for, and for Mike, their sense was like, are we going to deprive this family of maybe what their next meal might be? But you know what? They were so convincing and they so wanted us to stay. And so we sat and we shared a meal together. Um, just two days later, and one of the guys from that village comes and seeks us out at, at the base where we stayed and lived. And he recalled the story to the base leader. And he said to our base leader, would you please come back and tell our family about Jesus? We were astounded. We were astounded. He said, would you come back and tell our family about Jesus? Why did us sharing bread have such an impact Friends, it was kind of all God. <laughs> no surprises there. It was all God. But also there was a simple delight in being with people and sharing food from a common plate. It was also significant for some other reasons that we were quite naive to. We were naive to the fact that in India and kind of the rules around food culture and the caste system says that a person risks pollution, being defiled, if he or she accepts food or drink cooked by the hands of a person of a lower social status. That there was a risk to us, unbeknownst to us, and in, in the minds of the people we sat and ate with, there was a risk that we would somehow be polluted, and yet I think we seemed wonderfully, wonderfully unaware of that. All thanks and glory to God, that in our naivety we shared food together. And you know what? We were able to return and we did share the gospel with that family, with that village. We were able to say to them that Jesus actually is the one who says this. From John chapter 6, verse 35, he says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And over time, we built relationship with this little community and we were able to continue to share that indeed Jesus is the bread of life and he is also the substance from God that gives us eternal life. Friends, God asks us to ask for what we need. God asks us to ask for what we need. Asking is an expression of trust and trust is our declaration of faith that God is who he says he is. The preacher and pastor Charles Spurgeon says this, and it's a fabulous quote. You'll see it on the slides. Asking is the rule of the kingdom. If you may have everything by asking in his name and nothing without, I beg you to see that abs the absolute, that how absolutely vital prayer is. God says to his own son, ask of me and I will give you nations for your inheritance. If the royal and divine son cannot be exempt from the rule of asking that he may have, you and I cannot expect the rule to relax in our favour.
Jesus invites us to ask. We're required to ask. And in fact, he asks us to even bring our needs that are specific and articulated before him. And we see this in the story of Bartimaeus. This is, uh, this is, we'll find this written in the, in the Gospel of Mark. And Bartimaeus is a blind guy and he's a beggar. And he's sitting by the side of the road. And there is a big crowd that is now kind of swamping Jesus as Jesus moves towards the city of Jerusalem. And they're going along the road to Jericho. And there is this guy shouting by the roadside, shouting out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He'd heard that Jesus was there and he shouts out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped the crowd and the progression towards where he was going. He said, call this man to me. And so Bartimaeus jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And Jesus asked him this profound question. He asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I think Bartimaeus' need was actually utterly obvious. So I did wonder why on earth did Jesus ask the question of the blind man? But it just takes us back to this very important point that Jesus asks us to ask. He invites us to articulate our specific needs. And he encourages us to do it like what we see um, Bartimaeus did it. Did it like with shameless abandonment do it without inhibition raise your voice if you need to don't hold back you know you can pour out your heart before God around what your daily needs are you can pour out your heart you can be honest you can be raw you can be broken because in the light of what we know about the character and how Christ's death enables us enables us, gifts us with acceptance and forgiveness and the ability to experience God in his personal personal way, we can be honest. We can be raw. We can pour out our hearts. And we see this pouring out of the heart in a beautiful story, again, going back to the Old Testament from 1 Samuel. There's a woman who is talked about at the start of 1 Samuel. Her name is Hannah. And Hannah, Hannah, with bitter tears and in deep distress, she made her request to the Lord that she would conceive a child. From 1 Samuel 1, it says this, Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and he said to her, Eli's the priest, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, replied Hannah. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking beer or wine. I am pouring out my soul to the Lord. I'm pouring out my soul to the Lord. And I've been praying here in my great grief and anguish. Friends, we can pour out our hearts before God. And we can, we can, we can come to God and we can ask these things of God actually like a child. There can be a childlikeness. In fact, I think Jesus asks us to come as a child, come before him, come to him as our, as our heavenly perfect parent. We can ask these, of him because, these things of him because we are his children. We can ask these things of him because we are his children. We call him father and we can speak easily to him as a little child. We can speak easily to him as a little child, but yet we can also have this incredible awareness 
of the power that we access in the presence of God. The power that we have in prayer as we come before God and ask. You know, there's this, there's this great little, little saying I found in one of the commentaries that says this, only a person who dares to wake up a king in the middle of the night to ask for a glass of water is a child. Let me say that again. Only a king, oh sorry, the only person who dares wake up a king, a king in the middle of the night for a drink of water is his child. That's you and I, that's us. We're that kid that gets to go wake up our King Jesus to simply ask for what we need today. I've got a question for you and if you are online, maybe you'd like to jot down the answer to this question either now in the chat or at some stage um, when we come to the end of the service. But this is the question for you in the room too. Can you recall a prayer that was answered straight away? Can you recall, can you bring to mind a prayer that was answered straight away? Well, you're thinking, here's mine. I was at a concert. I was about 21. I was a new Christian and I'd gone along to a concert and I had kind of taken my jacket and my bag off and I'd sat down and then I'd met some friends and we'd gone and sat somewhere else and I discovered that I'd lost one of my earrings. And it was kind of a bit of a special earring. It was a 21st birthday present and I was quite keen to have it back and I was just a little bit devastated that it might have been lost and I'd remembered being at Bible study that week and one of the people in my Bible study said that um, God is the all-seeing God I don't know if you've heard that expression before but it's never left me right so like as I'm just in this little moment of despair lights are dark and I'm trying to think about this earring and thinking I really want to find this I said I'm just going to pray to the all-seeing God and so I just got down on my hands and knees and I'm kind of like you know like like it would be here scooting around under the chairs and stuff and and almost like as I prayed this prayer, Lord God, you're the all-seeing God. And I've just lost my earring and I'd love to know where it is. And just as I did that, I just basically put my hand on it and I felt this little sharp object underneath the palm of my hand. And there it was. There it was. Like, what are the chances, you know? We'd mo- I'd moved around the room. Anyway, you get it. It was one of those prayers and I'm sure you've got stories as well. You've got, got, got the, the testimony, the evidence of that story of prayer when it's answered straight away. And actually, we have um, Pete Gregg, that book I mentioned. He uses an analogy about how we experience answered prayers um, by referring to traffic lights. There they are there. And um, this author would call that kind of prayer, that stands straight away, the green light. And then he talks about amber lights. And these are the prayers that don't get an immediate yes or even a clear no. These are often the prayers that require some perseverance and um, some pressing in about prayer and this kind of repeated asking. These prayers often require God's gift of faith for us to grow uh, faithfulness in us in prayer. I've mentioned before that um, I'm quite sure that God only has two speeds, slow and suddenly, um, and that usually the suddenlies have come about because there's been years of faithful, slow, persistent, tenacious, enduring in prayer with God for something to then happen and to be answered. So that's what um, we refer to using this analogy as the amber light prayers. And then there is the red light prayers. The bread light prayers are the ones that haven't been answered by God. And we don't often know why. We all go through times, difficult times, when things just don't happen the way we expect them to. 
and we often don't understand. And those times are consistently, agonisingly painful. Maybe they're times of significant um, health issues or maybe they're times of significant financial stress. There's just trauma. There's all sorts of things that are taking place um, in our own lives, in the lives of the ones around us who we love, in the world around us. And you can actually feel so much like that you've just hit this no from God. And that's a tough place to be. That hurts like crazy when we find ourselves in that place. But I think, friends, these are the times when we can hold onto God's love. Actually, I think these are the times when God's love holds onto us. That God responds not with the answer that we were hoping for or the thing that we were specifically asking for, but he responds by holding us in his love, helping us not to doubt his love, allowing us to be held and comforted by him, and also learning to trust that we can go through things often that we don't understand and that God is there to hold us. Uh, another story taken from the book uh, is about a woman called Johnny Erickson. It's a beautiful story. It's quite old now. She's like a bit of a, um, she's one of those kind of heroes um, of, of prayer and testimony. She's kind of probably even a little bit older than the Simpsons. Um, but she, she has a story here that I'm going to read to you about her own experience of unanswered prayer. And it says this, Johnny Erickson was a fun-loving, active 17-year-old, enamoured by the world around her and charmed by the opportunities life held for her. She went to a beach one day in the summer of 1967 with her sister. Diving into the bay, she misjudged the shallowness of the water and tragically broke her spine. For more than 50 years, she has been paralysed from her shoulders down. Johnny cried out to God with complete faith for her healing. I followed every scriptural injunction. I was anointed with oil. I went to the elders, I confessed sin, I would call my friends up on the phone and insist, hey, the next time you're going to see me, I'm going to be on my feet. Have faith with me, believe with me. But the healing that she longed for, it didn't come. Leading her into depression and battling suicide thoughts and even doubts about her faith. What do you do? What do you do when it seems as though certain prayers just never get answered, at least not the way that you want them to be? Johnny's disability is the consequence of a fractured spine between the fourth and fifth cervical vertebra spine, having dived into shallow water in a bay. It wasn't a spiritual attack. It was not God's war. Her injuries are tragically consistent with the laws and principles of God's world. But why has he not healed her? Wouldn't that be an incredible testimony? I think Johnny would say that it has been God's will to bring comfort and hope and advocacy to millions of people, to point millions of people to change that is possible for help they can seek. And that she's done this to many disabled people and through her testimony of unhealing. She still believes that one day she'll cast up another prayer and she will walk out of that wheelchair healed. But she says that it may not be on this side of heaven. 
And so in the meantime, she continues to pray Christ's faithful prayer of relinquishment. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you, yet not my will but yours be done. After years of wrestling with God, Johnny can somehow say, this paralysis is my greatest mercy. The pain of unanswered prayer often does drive us into the arms of God. And it often opens up for us other ways that we can seek help. That while we're held with God, that there are answers, that there are people, that there are ways to move forward, there are ways to continue to grow in our faith, there are ways to continue to be loved. So where have we been today? We started with today. Do you trust God enough for what you need today? What do you need today? A new job? A bill to pay? Words for a difficult conversation? A friend? A healing? Friends, I truly believe that God is more concerned about your next 15 minutes than maybe your next 15 years. What is it that you need today? God has created us to depend upon him and Jesus tells us to ask, to ask for our daily bread, to ask for the sustenance that we need and that we are going to ask because God promises to provide, that his provision is always exceedingly He provides for us exactly what we need. And there is such rich Bible story that we can go back to time and time again about people boldly asking God for the things they need, for things and for help, and God answers. So as we wrap up and as the band might like to come up, I just have just some concluding wonderings that kind of take me back to the start of when we began this morning with the message. I had a rough time on that Friday, just, just trying to get to a good place. And it made me ask myself of this question, Fiona, who do you love and who loves you? And it made me remember this prayer that we're learning. <laughs> Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And on it goes as we've been learning. So of course the answer to that question is that I love God. I adore God. And adoring God actually unplugs my mind from the panic and the other things that are going on. Seeing God stirs me to wonder in awe about just his incredible provision and love for us. And it draws my heart and mind into the things of God. And then I discover that what I need today is just, it just makes more sense. That I now know what I want. I now have been kind of molded into realizing what it is that I ask for daily. And what I ask for, not just for myself, but for this world that we live in, for every part of humanity.